All right, you well, guys good? Everybody? Let's uh Okay, we start. Let's get this pod. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Run. Do we do we have any I feel like if this is a real podcast, we need to like the intro read, music. Read our, no, we need to read our sponsors. We do. Hey friends, I the... just want to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Anyway, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter? <laughs> David, what's the name of your company? You need company? to listen to more podcasts. I guess Zip, I do. Zip what's the name of your company? Gameforth Productions. Gameforth Productions is what brought is it? to you by English Creative League. what? Creative Rise. Creative, Creative Rise. Rise. Brought to you by uh, official sponsor of the trending podcast, Creative Rise. Brought nice. to you by uh, NB Guptal Cr- Crawlers uh, for all your your fishing worm needs. Is that a real thing? <laughs> it's that guy Rob DeCaney, a friend of you've got to play basketball with. He, he like all the in Canadian Tire, all the worms that you buy. Okay, he has a worm farm at his house. Really? Yeah, I forget what they're called something MB. I guess MB worms or something. I don't know. Really? Of worms. Okay. Yeah, he's got millions of worms at I his house. Bought a bike. He's also that guy is also Uber Rob, the hero, the hero of uh, Darling's Island. Rob. You know, when it floods, the guy that like out of the kindness of his heart shuttles people in his boat. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I know him. Yeah, that's, well, that's him. him. All right, plays cool. in the Masters uh, basketball league. That, he saved that, lives. Uh, that my team won this year. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Was on the St. John uh, Regional winning team. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm a champion <laughs> of the men's league <laughs> and a champion of the NBA. So anyway. And he owns NBA crawlers. Yeah, that's pretty good. Anyway, he, no, he's awesome. not on the champion team. I'm on the champion team. He's not on your team. No, we beat, oh, we beat gotcha. his team. Oh, he lost all, along the way to the, well, along the way to the to the winning of the whole league. Luckily, he's got some other things to add to his resume. True. Yeah. Will help. True. <laughs> He's winning. He's winning no <laughs> matter what. All right. Let's start do this, this thing. People are going to leave. All right. Let's do it before they leave. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. To episode to five another. of the Trending Podcast. We've got our Slow oh. Clap app. All right. There we go. Oh, hold on. Hold Shaking on. It, tapping it. Shaking Uh-oh. it. Tapping it. You guys just do it. I don't have it. Officially sponsored anymore. by Creative Rise Productions and Slow Clap app. All, All right. right. Not well. really, but we, if you want we to. We actually don't have sponsors. We but, don't. Uh, but we, we'd be open to that if someone wants to call yeah. me. DM we talked me. about this before, Hit, yeah. Send us an application. Slide into my DMs. And we will obviously, we will obviously vet it. But send us an application and we'll, we'll talk about it. it be awesome. I won't, uh, I won't let you sponsor our church services, but, but, but I might be open <laughs> to our podcast. Podcast. It's a possibility. <laughs> I can, I can it's bend possibility. my rules. If you're listening here with us today, guys, man, uh, Pastor Andy here with Pastor Brent's awesome. And we are super excited today to have... Probably the coolest the guest, one, the most amazing the guest only, we've ever had. The one and the only. Yeah. The pastor, Gregory. Gregory, what's your middle initial? E. Gregory E. e. Hansen. E. I feel like e. I've seen e. that somewhere. I bring good things to life. I like e. Hansen. Oh, nice. You're, you're, That's you're, part you're, number one. You're right gonna, we need to, I'm not advocating a drinking game, but if one <laughs> were to have a drinking game, <laughs> I've got my for every pun or dad joke that uh, Greg does... Hey. And that, frankly, I'll, I'm in on this. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave you leave you high and dry. You're right? inspired by Greg. Yeah. Oh, Greg. Greg brings the worst out in me every time. It's yeah, a lot of people. Or the that. best. Yeah. Well, or depends best. who you ask. The, <laughs> he brings the dad the dad joke out in me. So yes. there should be a plenty of puns before our Someone theology. Someone please keep a pun count for us in the comments. That would be that's an amazing job for yeah. So we got, our viewers we got one anyway. Pun count. We already missed the. We'll be Kawaiian. Uh, <laughs> when Kawhi leaves, but uh, anyway, do they count retroactively? We, we could do that. Yeah, sure. Why okay. not? That'd all right. Awesome. So, what are we talking about today? This is our fifth. <sighs> yeah, the fifth episode ever. Podcast. We've had all kinds. Of, if you haven't seen our past episodes, go back, listen to them on take iTunes, them, watch them. There's a YouTube on our YouTube King Church account. You, there's a playlist there for the trending podcast. You can go back and watch everything and get caught up. But uh, yep. today, this is a No God edition. So, tell us a little bit about the No God series. It's a series we've been working through yeah. at the church. Been really excited about it. It's been awesome and super helpful. Yeah, we are, uh, we're in a five-week 
series uh, about theology. The figure you can cover just about everything in five weeks. Oh, yeah, so. totally. <laughs> Very doable. No, we, uh, we've been painting with really broad strokes, but trying to just lay some framework and groundwork about how we talk about God, how we think about God. Uh, we've done a lot, a lot of teaching. Obviously, every weekend we're in some kind of series or Bible teaching. But we've never done anything quite like this. And so uh, it's been fun. So really, the biggest reason we're doing it is just education. You know, we're, we're, we've got a lot of new believers and everybody has some type of theology. We talked about that. Like everybody has some concept of a high power and you've formed that from something or somewhere, whether it's your life, whether it's your relationships, your upbringing, religion, what, what have you, we all have a theology. And so I've been, as a pastor, wanting to set up some biblical framework for what we believe is true about God and why. So yeah. that's what we've been doing over the last, last several weeks. We're closing that up here this coming Sunday as of the time of this recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be before so, they hear it. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Yes. And it's been an amazing series. It's been super yeah. helpful. And, but what we know and realize, we recognize that the reason we started the trending podcast is when we talk about these things in our weekend services, there's always a lot of other questions that bubble right. up to the surface. And literally, in a weekend service, we've got an hour and a half max with people, right? Yep. So, and the trending podcast, hopefully, we can tackle some of those questions that bubble to the surface and drive things just a little bit deeper. So, right. in this edition, is what we thought we would do. And we were, we've been gathering some of your questions ahead of time. So, we've got some of those, and that's amazing. The reason we went live with this one for the first time ever was we wanted to have a chance to do some live interaction during. So, hey, if you are out there on a Thursday afternoon and you're watching this, that's amazing. If you're watching it pre-recorded, hey, we still love you, but we don't need your questions because it's already done. But it's if you're watching, yeah, exactly. But if you're watching live right now, comment, let us know, and we'll do our best to interact with some of these. But that's why we wanted to bring Pastor Greg in today because yes. he is one of the most, he's not only amazing at puns and dad jokes, but he's one of the most <laughs> brilliant, astute theological minds that I know personally. So yeah, huge heavy hitter that we have on staff here yep. and uh, thought yeah. his perspective and what he would bring to the table for this would be, would be awesome. Yeah. And for yeah. people who don't know, cause they don't see Greg's face every weekend online. If you watch online or you go to one of the campuses, Greg mm -hmm. uh, really is the brain and the heart behind, you know, a lot of our curriculum and discipleship pathways. And he's got uh, even resources, you know, that, that we've, we've put out there have really come from him. So he's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good to have him here. And, and in case we, we have any trouble, we brought some theology textbooks that I got yeah. in, uh, in university. So just in case we need that. We'll, right. uh, Worst we'll, comes to worst, we're just going to read those word for word. We'll, we'll crack it out. So, so what are some, uh, like, what are some maybe ground rules before we jump in and start hacking into questions? Um, we probably mm. need to think through just like the, the way in which we're coming to this conversation in general, you know, like yeah. one of the reasons I wanted to do this series in the first place was a lot like my, my opinion is even in conversation with whether it's people at our church or just people out in the world is a lot of people have come to have drawn conclusions about God that I don't think they've ever actually thought through. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. where did you, where did you come up with that? Yep. You know, whether you're at Very the, true. you know, at the funeral, I've been, I'm always, amazed at the theologians that come out at funerals because Everybody's people all of a sudden have yeah. these huge, you know, metaphysical, philosophical opinions about where Grammy is and whether or not she's affecting the weather, right. you know, and right. I, my, my feelings always been like, where did you, okay, what, what developed that? And so, yeah. you know, before we even jump in, I think it's important for us to, to have that conversation just surrounding, you know, there's the conversation about like, what is influencing your framework 
and then the conversation surrounding, you know, how do we understand the Bible? Because that's really where we're going to end up yep. mm-hmm. when it comes to our, our understanding of, of who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we always want to end up at the end of the day. And I think that, I think what would be helpful for us and kind of what we thought we'd structure this as would be to say, um, when we're looking at some of these questions, we'll have, we got a lot of the questions that you guys have sent in already. And hopefully you'll keep sending them in. Um, we can all agree on some things. And then we'll all have sort of different opinions and, approach, and approaches to some other areas of our faith, right? Is that fair to say, That's guys? Fair. Like, yeah. hopefully there are some some over overarching themes that we can agree on, so essentials versus non-essentials, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. And so that's kind of how we were framing it. There's something called the Apostles' Creed, which if you're watching or listening, you may or may not be familiar with. But basically that some Christians very early on got together and said, hey, this is what we really believe and what really matters. Within the Christian church, there's lots of different veins of Christianity, right? Different indeed. denominations even. Like that's why you can see like even right here in, in the Kings Valley area, there are many different churches that have different denominations. Is Kings Valley a place? Is that, no, Kennebecasis it's Kennebecasis Valley. Valley. Kennebecasis Valley. Kings County. Yeah. I had someone Kings else County, say that. Kings County. Kennebecasis Valley yeah. in Kings County. Yeah. Is it an abbreviation? Kennebecasis Valley in Kings County. So it's the Kings Valley. Sorry. Totally, totally well, railroaded yeah. you there. Used but, to be our church. So, so like, let's, let's establish this a little first. So there's the question of authority, right? Yep. Like what, what at the end of the day is forming our, our, what's the platform or the basis on which we have formed these arguments. Mm-hmm. And then there's the question on based on that authority, you know, what things are, do we need to agree on? Otherwise you're not a Christian, right? The non-negotiables, yep. the non-negotiables. And then what are the things that okay, we can kick this around and frankly, we can agree to disagree and we're all going to, we're all going to, we all believe Jesus is Lord. And, you know, so question of authority, like let's lob that out there first. Like how, how should, you know, Greg, I'd ask you this, how would you, you know, encourage a new believer to start thinking about theology, like about, about how they're forming their, their idea of God? Right. Well, yeah, and people are getting lots of ideas from all kinds of sources from uh, the internet is a huge influence on people today. Uh, including with with uh, beliefs about God that really have been refuted and have disappeared over the over the years, but right. have kind of found They've new life online. Back. Yeah, um, because of Google. Because of Google, Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, things from the 1800s that were solved by theologians and philosophers then have yes. kind of sprung back sure. uh, to the surface. So people are battling with a lot of the same questions people have in the past. They don't know that, though. It no. sounds like this right. is new thinking, right? Yep. It feels like this is this new progressive kind of thought, but in fact. The early church was dealing with a lot of these things. That's right. Yeah, going all the way back to the early centuries of the church. That's true. Um, and so for, for us as believers, our primary source of authority um, is the Word of God. It's, it's the written Word of God, Scripture, yeah. and it's who Jesus is revealed He's to be to us well. through Scripture. Right, and we talked about that in the first week of the right. Know God series, how at the end of the day, G- Jesus is our, is our lens, like we... Yeah. we we, we see everything through the person of Jesus, but that's not just some subjective lens on how we understand right. Jesus. That's based on who he reveals himself to be throughout the scripture. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. And I'd say, too, that when we talk about scripture, we're not just thinking of scripture as containing the word of God. Uh, it is the word of God. Yes. It's, it, it is uh, God's revelation of himself to us. Right. It's, it's, not a, it's not a volume of books. The Bible isn't just one book. It's right. a collection of 66 different books. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just a volume that contains some of the Word of God. 
where right. parts of it you can take and some, some mm-hmm. of it you can dispose of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we view view all of Scripture as being inspired. Yeah being God-breathed is right. what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we view it as being inerrant right. in the original manuscripts. It, and It's there on purpose. It's There's there no on mistakes. Purpose. Yep. It's without error right. in, in everything that it teaches. Yeah. So for us, for the purposes of our discussions, and I, and I would press this on any Christian listening, you know, there are a lot of arguments um, and even ideologies and philosophies and, and theologies uh, that are circulating and they're, they're not new, mm-hmm. but I think there's more of a, because of the, the time in history we're in, and maybe even this kind of hyper me individualistic focus, there's more license for people. It seems these days to, to kind of paint a God in their own image yes. and, and how they want to see, see God. And there's, a, there's been many times where I've heard people take positions, whether it's on, you know, obviously the hot button one, we've covered this in a past podcast, but the, on sexuality, right? Like there's, right. there's a prime example. You'll hear a lot of, there's a, there's a growing number of Christians that are changing their theology mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, uh, sexuality that's you know, different from 2000 years of Christian history. And yeah. I've yet to hear <clears throat> an authoritative biblical argument right. made, right? So usually that conversation is, is coming outside of the authority of scripture, right? Mm. So cultural trends or personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. I a think lot I, of times trumps biblical authority. I presented four F words in my, uh, in my Amazing. first week. Like, Please like, elaborate. A lot of people are influenced <laughs> by their feelings. They call yeah. it God, but in fact, it's actually like what you want things to be. Right. Uh, we're, we're influenced by our friends, like just like a culture yeah. that, that we're, we, we, we're a part of. We mm-hmm. absorb that ethos, uh, our fears, just like a subconscious even fear that's driving our, our, our outlook. Hmm. Speaking of Enneagrams, we were talking hmm. about Enneagrams. We Enneagrams are actually Enneagrams. developed out of, like if you read about it, like the Enneagram, if you don't know what that is, check it out. It's kind of cool. It's like these personality, personality profiles, fairly ancient, but those are actually developed out of. Uh, you, you develop your Enneagram profile at an early age on how you learn how to, how to navigate with the pressures and forces of this world. Right. Yeah. So again, like those outside forces are causing you to, to have, to act and right. act a certain way. So your fears, and then I, I talked about the, the role of the enemy, your foe. Mm. So it's just really important it's for us stuff, that man. we, I thought that was all right. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's worth rehashing. I, I think it's important for us though, as we, as we proceed into some of this, that we might be wrong, uh, but bottom line is we're surrendering to right. what we believe the Bible says. Now, if you show me in the Bible uh, why I'm wrong, I'll submit to that, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, sure. I think that's, that's where this conversation is hanging out. And that's where for our church, anyway, at King's Church, really, if, it's, if the Bible says it, that's authoritative and that's, that's the first and the last word. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, and I would encourage anybody who's seeking out these answers about these large questions, complicated questions, at the end of the day, have a very clear understanding of, you know, the question of authority, how am I getting this answer? And then the, the biblical interpretation. I think that's a huge, yeah. really quick, I hope we're not losing people. I find this super interesting. No so w- what do people need to know about interpreting the Bible? Because even that can be su- is subjective. Your, those forces, mm-hmm. you know, your feelings, your foes, your fears. Yep. Uh, what's the other one? Your friends. Like those things are all influencing how you interpret the scripture even. So how, how are we to understand how we need to read the Bible? 
Any tips? Any tips there, Greg? Well, you can go to the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Whoa! So if you Whoa. Want to throw, pull that out. Tell us what Drop that is, Greg. Quad I don't even know if I know what that is. Well, I'll see if I can remember. Who's my John Wesley? Days. Really? Well, no, not me. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of. I did. Yep. I did graduate. I took well, classes you did gra- graduate, <laughs> and you are an ordained Wesleyan minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, John Wesley was a priest in the uh, 18th century Church of England. Uh, he, his ministry in England kickstarted the whole uh, Methodist movement because of the, of the specific method that he had for studying scripture and encouraging people to grow in their faith. Um, and uh, one of the things that he developed, actually he didn't develop, it was, it was a kind of identified out of his teachings later and was named the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Uh, but he used four things in particular that helped him to, to understand um, theology. Uh, scripture being first and foremost. Yep. Everything is rooted in scripture. Uh, beyond that, he looked at what the early church, what the church fathers uh, taught. Yep, that's huge. Um, can, I, can I pause you on sure, that one? Sure, can. The the I've seen a lot of people. Like I've had people. Let's go back to the sexuality conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we did that in the fall, I had obviously there's people who feel strongly about about that conversation. They have friends and loved ones, for instance, that maybe are in same sex marriages and that kind of thing, and they don't they don't see the same way that I do. Uh, and they they even sent me you know, scholars' uh, opinions about how you pull the Bible to say a a different position. And my, and those my, exist. Those opinions. Oh, are totally. There, yeah. You can find them online yeah. if you Google, Again, Google why the Bible yeah, affirms we'll same-sex up. marriage, for instance. If you if you Google that, you'll find stuff. Yeah. The question is, you go back to the, what you were saying about the church fathers, like who are these authoritative voices that you're allowing yeah. to to change change your theology? Right. And you know, for me, I've got you have your you have your Christian history and the church fathers, and then you have people who have a proven track record. That, that are actually, you know, biblical scholars, for instance, yeah. not just a mom who's, you know, like yeah. who's a blogger sure. and has, a, has, has, has a, an opinion about it. Right. And it's genuine. I don't disagree with that. But mm-hmm. is it accurate? Do you, so anyway, yeah, so I think that's hugely important. To, it really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, there's scripture and then there's the tradition, which is the early church. Yeah. Uh, and we can't write off our tradition, right? We no. talked about that in the very beginning. Like we've got to learn yeah. from our past. Like a lot of this work has been done and, and ideas explored and debates had and councils held that like made a lot of these decisions like Christ right. loving, Christ following people have already sorted a lot of this stuff out. Yeah, We're in the danger of forgetting it and walking away from it years mm-hmm. later based on there's an arrogance there's an arrogance there i think mm-hmm. there's a there shouldn't there's a certain level of dismissiveness you shouldn't have either like just to assume that because it's old it was right is yeah. is, is incorrect but it's right. also it's equally incorrect to assume that because it's old it's wrong right we all need to formulate our own personal opinions and approaches right, right. but we shouldn't be looking at something and saying well just because that happened hundreds of years ago doesn't mean it doesn't matter for me today no theology is progressive uh, theologians today are still studying and trying to understand scripture better right. uh, because they're building on the theology of the past they're building on the work of theologians throughout the centuries mm-hmm. so there's more and more that we try to understand about god and what he's revealed to us about himself over right. time uh, so theology is is progressive, but it's not dismissive, as you say, of, right. uh, of what's come before. That's right. important. That's, uh, it builds on top of what comes before. That's, that's a great yes. analogy. So there's, so there's, there's we're two out of four of the quad, and then we're going to move into yep. some questions. Uh, <laughs> reason is, yes. is the third one, which is you know using your intellect, using your God-given yep. uh, faculties to, to think through 
uh, how God has revealed himself. Um, yep. You know, the Bible talks about how God has revealed himself to us through nature. Yep. Uh, science is actually one of the ways we learn about God. Yes, for sure. And um, it, it was originated that way. It was. Like, yeah. The scientific yeah. method was a, it was a, a West, act of worship. Yeah. Science is not opposed to God. It's not opposed to faith. It we think it, it proves faith. It, it came out of the, the Judeo-Christian world because we believed we could, we could understand God yeah, better because right. of it. Science is but not that the got area. inverted, right? Yeah, like it did right. in the last couple of centuries. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. throughout throughout the centuries. Again, as we always, do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we and then got the fourth th- thing is uh, it's uh, experience. It's okay. our own experience. It, it, it is important, yeah. um, but it is there. Yeah. It is there even though um, it's often affected by uh, by emotions right. it's it's affected by our experience so it can be very uh, it comes from different perspectives and that's good so wesley would say though you know you can't build a theology an authoritative theology on one of the quadrilateral right, right? like it can't be just because i had an experience therefore god mm-hmm. is this and, and this that means that yeah it's that's be, that's inverting it yeah if you start with that they're all important yes they all play a role but it's all starting with scripture right and mm-hmm. it and it proceed sequentially. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, there's a fun fact. And it's, you know what, it's super important, though, really. I I think more than ever, because I think there's more information than ever. Mm. And it all sounds authoritative. And and the truth is, it could be some guy who doesn't have a job sitting in his mom's basement on his computer playing Fortnite and hacking away a blog post about why you should believe in open theism or whatever. Right. So, yeah. It's important that you know where and how you're deriving your, your conclusions. That right? was a helpful reminder even for me, Greg, so thank you. Even for me. It's been me. a while since I <laughs> talked about... Yeah, even, <laughs> it's been a while since I talked Take about the Wesley Quadrilateral. Yeah. So. Do we want to hit some of these questions or Yeah, what? let's do it. Let's jump in. We got You guys had in some amazing questions, so We never did get great. into... So we did talk about authority, but we never talked about like what... So where, where's the line of here we, here we must agree right. and here we can agree to disagree. And, and how do we navigate those things? Like what, what are, in what the words are of, of the Wesley, essentials? is it Wesley that said essentials and non-essentials? Is that, is that him that said in essentials, oh, yes. uh, unity, unity, in non-essentials, charity, chari- liberty, liberty? Okay. and in all things, we'll charity. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Google it. Use the Googler. Google's good for something. But that's, that's kind of a guideline about, yes. you know, there are things that, that to be Christian, you have to agree mm-hmm. with these basic things. That's where you get the creeds, right? Right. With arms wide open. <laughs> Not Scott right? Stapp, yeah. but check the out, apostles. Check out creed. Yeah. creed. And doubtful <laughs> if you Google liberty. creed, what I don't know what will come first, the apostles what creed if? or Scott Stapp. Oh, man, same age. Higher. That was their first song. Can first you take me higher? Such a good song. I loved, I loved creed back in the day. <laughs> Not Scott Stapp solo, I did too, but Creed for is band. No, I was into Not even going to pretend like I was too cool for Creed. Do we want to read the Apostles' Creed? too when they first came out. Uh, yeah, I guess I did too. I'm ashamed to admit that one. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the Nickelback, for it is. What did they do to make everybody hate them so much? <laughs> I feel like they get a bad rap. Like they're not. I mean, now I don't like that kind of music. Who you hate? I'm just not into that kind of music. But like, mm. come on. This is the world's biggest rabbit trail right here. We went from the Apostles' Creed to we somehow to Creed. loving or hating Nickelback. Apostles' Creed, <laughs> Creed, Scott Stapp, <laughs> Nickelback, Kevin Bacon. Boom. Six degrees of separation. Yeah. I'm just staying right here and waiting. All right. You're just back. All right. Patiently okay. waiting. So what, can Bring I just... back from Nickelback. Can we talk about the <laughs> Apostles' Creed really quick? Just so if someone hasn't heard that before, you've probably heard this. It says this, all right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And from there, he will 
come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. That is the Apostles' Creed. Those, amen. I, amen. I think I could say those are the essentials. There's probably not any Christian evangelical church in our province that wouldn't say yes and amen to all those things. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd paint that broad. I would say, I would say uh, you're not a Christian. I think Christian history, by and large, would hold to. There are some... Sure. We live in interesting times yep. in the church. Yep. And like even things like he descended into hell. Yeah. You're, yep. you're going to find a lot of people now kind of letting loose their the- theology of hell at all, right? They're, yep. The God they have in their mind is, is love. And so therefore love can't equate to wrath. That is true. Yeah. So, so it'd be more fair for us to say for the sake of our conversation, this is what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus for I, us. Like if we believe these things, these yeah. are the things we're agreeing on. Those are the things that are make or break, yeah. make you a Christian. Yeah. I was going to say that us. that is the one line that really is debatable in that. Not, not debatable, but it's up for interpretation. The most debated. Yeah. yeah. Because it's sometimes it's translated as descended to the dead. Yes. Or yeah. To the grave. Yeah. But I think the important oh, gotcha. thing is like generally by and large, this, that's kind of a, this among a couple others, the Nicene Creed. Yeah. Uh, there's a handful of creeds that, and the reason creeds came out was because of this exact same thing. Yep. When the church was born in those first couple few centuries, uh, there was so much ideology and philosophy believed. and theology yep. circulating different religions, powerful religions, like, uh, like the Ro- just like the Roman, the yeah. Roman culture. It, it's a kind of this, uh, well, that's a great point. Sometimes we think today it's different that this is new. Oh, We've got all these different ide- ideologies and things like that. But yeah. it's been like this since the very beginning. We have recency bias, right? right? Like yeah, where exactly. it's like, well, obviously it's it's much more in- intense and complex now because we have the internet. No, actually, the people who wrote these creeds, uh, they do the same they, hard work that we have to do today. Well, no, they did more Decided. hard work because they died for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Like these people died for this, like for, by getting up and saying, I believe this. and I don't care. You send me to the lions. I'm, I, I stand on this. The stakes like, are this, way higher. These things were literally formed with sweat, blood and tears, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, this stuff really matters. So the church has fought for that ground and I think we need to continue, continue it. So that's, yep. those are the essentials right. really like, and then beyond that, and this is where it might get a little a little yeah. fuzzy is the some of the non-essentials touch the essentials right and that's yes. why within tr- church and christian tradition you get uh, not just disagreement but strife and you get a lot of a lot of historical you know de- I mean, what, what is a denomination in its nature mm-hmm. right a denomination actually means a, a faction right it means yeah. it means a, a segment and we we are in a denomination and there are literally i think thousands of right. christian denominations all coming back from the Catholic Church, get the Reformation about 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther broke that off. That, that formed the Protestant Church, which in, in its name, no Protestant. Right, like, right. And we just keep <clears throat> fracturing off because we can't agree on things. Sure. Right. You know, I actually think God's doing a new work in the church that some of those, that some of those old, big, thick dividing lines within the church are starting to erode and people are getting to the place you know, maybe it's a blessing of the information age, but we're getting mm-hmm. to a place where like, hey, actually, I don't disagree with you. Yep. I was taught to disagree with you, but sure. I don't, right? Like I grew up thinking Baptists were wrong and Wesleyans were right and yep. many other people were on the other yep. side yep. of that coin. Those right? lines are thinner now even in our lifetime. Absolutely. Oh, and even, even in my own yep. education and upbringing, our relationships I have with other Christians and other streams, yep. I've realized 
the church is this big, beautiful world that believes Jesus is Lord. And, you know, the, the Calvinists, for instance, have a really great argument that actually brings some scope and some, some depth to my understanding of God that I didn't have growing up with. Yep. Yeah. So. We're getting into it here already. We need to get into some of these questions. But fair, fair enough to say that denominations are something that people ask questions about sometimes. And I've had people ask me, like, why are there even different denominations and what do they mean? But it's fair to say we're all people that most of us, at least, we can't speak for every single church and, and do blanket statements like that. But people that love Jesus agree on those big things. But then we have differing opinions on some of the non-essentials. And just kind of over the years, yeah. denominations were kind of formed around people who gathered together with people who had the same opinions on some of those things yeah. as them. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they're important guys? debates that we have in-house, but they're not meant to bring division. Yeah. Yes. And they need, they, they were meant, they should have stayed in-house. Yeah. And I think the problem that the church has had has been, well, Greg, we're brothers, but we can't agree. Yeah. So I'm moving out and I'm starting my own family. Right. Right. Yes. And I think that's the, I think that's that where denominations have been born. I think, yeah. I think denominations are dying. Like I think, I think you read Revel. I know they are. Read Revelation seven. Yeah. Like there's one church. Right. Right. And that we're heading toward that vision. I think that's on the heart of God. I think denominations. No denominations in heaven. No. It's not. Uh, be there's a thing. one. There's one church with every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mention anything about denominations. Oh, there's the Wesleyans and there's the Baptists. No, it's one church. Right. I think on the heart of God is unity. Mm -hmm. um, I think denominations have like. <clears throat> I'm thankful for the Protestant Reformation. I'm thankful for John Wesley. I'm Absolutely. thankful for for Whitfield. I'm thankful mm -hmm. for what the, they, they have brought a richness, but I believe the Lord is actually bringing the church back into a, a new degree of unity globally. Uh, that's going to lead to the end times. Ooh, boom. Want to talk end times? No. We'll jump right we'll, in with end we'll, times. We'll get there. My word. All right. That's what one of got? the things we could discuss about. Let's what ask we... some questions. I feel like we're going to lose our audience as we're going deep dive on some of these things, but they're really important. They are very important. So what, what if we started here? What if we started with this question? Um, this is a, this is a big one, like one of the most hotly debated things probably in in the Christian world, free will versus predestination. Oh, what do you think on a, that one? Start guys? with the yeah. light one. Probably. Okay, yeah. We're, we're jumping right in here. Can probably, I say yes? Yeah. And then we'll just move on. Yes. Yes to both. Um, so the idea behind this is, all right, like oh, we, we trust in Jesus. We know Jesus. We, again, we agree in the big things Like Jesus provides salvation, offers us salvation yeah. through his death and through his resurrection. Um, some people believe that once you receive the salvation of Jesus, you could never, ever lose it. Some people believe that God gives us a free will to make the decision ourselves. So we have to choose whether or not to receive it mm -hmm. so that even after we've received it, we could then decide to say, you know what? I don't want that anymore. Or now I consciously reject that. Or we see people that will walk with Jesus for a, a season and then seem to whatever reason decide that they change their mind yeah, and like no longer like want to live that life or serve Jesus or live for Jesus that way. So some would say... It's impossible to lose your salvation. Others would say that because of free will, it's always possible to consciously yeah. reject salvation. So those are two, two, two different questions in the same vein, right? Like you've got the predestination versus yeah. free will, and then you've got the election versus... And the irresistible uh, grace. Yeah, like so, yeah. yeah. Right. I will say this before we start trying to crack this one open. <laughs> this is a non-essential this is a non-essential mm -hmm. yeah. uh, conversation that really at the end of the day doesn't 
really matter. Right. Uh, in my opinion, anyway, about like, it doesn't change whether or not you believe Jesus is Lord and he died for my sins and rose again in victory and will come again to judge. Like right. nothing in this conversation is going to affect kind of creedal doctrine. So very important to say that and yep. very important to say it's okay to disagree on this. In fact, we may disagree around this table and no one's going to get fired. Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> so, so just, just so we, can I get so, that in writing? Yes. We you have, you that, have my, you have my promise that already heard it we have it on video. You might yes. not be able to talk to my daughter and my sons as they come through youth ministry, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to fire you. So yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. That's so, awesome. okay. So let's talk free will versus predestination. Yes. Go Greg. Oh, what do you great, got? Great. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, well, we're, we're talking about God's uh, omniscience, really. We're talking about his all-knowing uh, nature. Yes. You know, he knows everything, yep. including future events. Right. Um, so when we're talking about predestination, you know, part of that is, know, is understanding that God does know everything. He exists outside of time and space. He sees everything from, from outside of time and space and therefore knows everything that will happen at any time along the time-space continuum. Yes. So I just needed to throw that out there. <laughs> Agreed. 100%. <laughs> um, so when we're talking about uh, about predestination, it's it's his his omnis, uh, omniscience and his um, omnipotence. His omnipotence is he would his have a power hand to bring in, it. Yeah, yep. getting the end result that he wants to get. Is he God or not? Yeah, that's where the universalists, for instance, not to jump way ahead. Yep, but that's where they end up. Is they say, well, if he's God, then he's going to get what he wants. Yeah, and and if the Bible says he wants all people to to come into a loving relationship with him, then eventually he's going to get that. Like that's right. universalism is the idea that everyone's going to die and go to heaven, essentially. So. Right. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with free will, it's the understanding that God gave us a beautiful gift of free will to make up our own minds and to choose to follow him or to not follow him, choose to stay with him or to walk away. Yeah. And that's you know, what you were alluding to. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a tension between those two. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about God's omnipotence and his ability to, the power of his grace to compel people to follow him. Right. um, And and with him just. just When it it comes to these, let me jump in here. When it comes to these questions, I think whether it's like free will versus predestination, can you lose your salvation or can't you? All these questions we're trying to answer in 2D yeah. When the right. answer is actually it's in, pretty in 3D complex. or infinite D. I was going right? to say like, like 6D. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, it, it always <laughs> starts to erode at a certain level because I think it's a more complex answer. Like for instance, like one, one strike, like how I think about predestination versus free will, you know, the Bible tells us a couple things. It says that, you know, each man has to give an account, like we're responsible to it, like God's going to hold us accountable for the mm-hmm. choices that we make in our lives. So there's the obviously a degree of free will that God's holding us accountable for. Yeah. And I think according to his righteousness and justice, he wouldn't hold us accountable for something we had no choice to do in the Correct. first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have a level of free will, but also the Bible says he knows the beginning from the end. Yeah. He, he knows, you know, like how things are going to end up. And he would know an infinite of possibilities. Like if I decide to end this conversation right now and get up and leave the table and he knows, you know, if that was a change from my, my trajectory, he's able to know how it's going to end up. Even if, even if uh, I'm trying to, I'm sorry to trip myself out here, but even if, uh, you know, you get off into a weird path that wasn't his plan a for you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So just because God knows an outcome doesn't mean he is dictating Right. The, the process. Sure. And that's yeah. a big question a lot of people ask is, 
if God already knows everything, is it possible for us to make a choice at all? Or has it already been, if God knows it, has it already been pre-decided yeah. for us? And I say one of the things that helps me to, uh, one of the things that helps me to get that in per- into perspective is I, I, you know, if I took um, a bowl of vanilla ice cream and a bowl of chocolate ice cream yep. and offer them to my wife, Chocolate and let her every time. Exactly. For me. I know what she would choose, yeah. but I'm not making her choose it. Yeah. You know, I, there, there's also that uh, level, though, too. Good. Like, there, like there's that. that because you know her intimately. Right. But God is also not locked into time, right? So yep. for us, time is, is this kind linear. of linear thing yep. where we, we can't see beyond what's next. We can look back in, in memory, at least, yep. or in, in recorded history. We can't go back in time. But we're really stuck on this kind of A to B thing. But, but God is outside of time mm-hmm. and he's able to go around it and look and see how these yeah. things are going to end up. He already he's in tomorrow, the Bible says, like mm-hmm. he's actually already gone before us. So mm-hmm. it's not this. It's not again. It's not the same. It's not only does he know what choice you're likely yeah. to make. He literally can go fast forward and see and you know see what choice you did make. Yeah. So that and but that doesn't necessarily take away from your power and the opportunity to choose vanilla no, or he, chocolate. he knows what we will freely choose because of, of both of those. He, right. sees, he knows us intimately and he sees the future. Now, I think where a good mm. Calvinist would come in, we, we probably should have had one around the table because yeah. I, I, I'm probably a little more Calvinist-y than uh, the average Wesleyan, yeah. but I'm still, I still grew up Arminian. You right? can Google like Calvinism versus Arminianism if you're wondering what yeah, those, I mean, those terms mean. I mean, in a very simplistic way, Arminians are Christians who kind of err more on the free will uh, you know, it's really up to you to choose God. Choice. Whereas a Calvinist would event- would, would actually say God chose you mm-hmm. and he chose you so profoundly that you can't help it no matter what. And that there are per- people that are elect yeah. and people who are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I don't quite go the whole length of that argument, but I do mm-hmm. go, I do believe the Bible says like God does choose you. You know, I just think it's a more open invitation and some people choose not to choose him back. I think I fall in the camp like there's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, right? Like oh, you said at yeah, the very beginning, too. can I just say yes? Because there are elements to Calvinism that I do find very attractive and compelling and there's mm-hmm. elements to Arminianism. It's the same, right? In my experience, it seems pretty clear to me that there are people who God's hand is in their life just in a really, a really unique way that doesn't seem to be there for everybody. Like even... Even my wife, like in our personal experience, like her story and what God pulled her out of, like just had, it should have never happened, statistically speaking, right? And in my mind, it's like obviously God's hand was in her life in a really unique way. So I think that God does interact with some of our lives that way, I think personally. And it's, it's still a choice, but there is, a, there is that level of sometimes there's just a plan yeah. that, and it's... I think God does that God's gonna get for it done. all people, though. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think just not all people respond, and I do. Sure, this is where I differ from the Calvinists that I do think a person at the end of the day has a choice. Like I think that's the one area where God is not going to exercise His sovereign will. Yep, is, yeah. is He actually gives us a will of our own, <clears throat> and He wants us to will to love Him. Right, and that's that. At the end of the day, is our choice. And if He forced that, it's not true love. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Right? Like, like in a relationship, what kind of a relationship is it where yeah, someone says you have to love it's me? It's slavery. It's in the, and he that's created not what us for a relationship with him. Yeah, so that's slaves, that's where I kind of get off the Calvin Calvinist bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a you know the Bible says that God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the people that are going to follow Him, but that doesn't mean that He's manipulating it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I do think though He's I mean, this is what prevenient grace is. It's that like yep. right now. 
for lots of seven big terms billion here people or whatever. I think there's seven billion people now on yeah. planet yeah, Earth. Yeah, I think so. Like the Holy Spirit is simultaneously working, I believe, on every single one of them with the unique challenges, whether it's like your wife's story, who's got an incredible story, carries Mm -hmm. an an amazing story. God just pulled her out of uh, just so much going against her to be where she is now and who she is now. And yet God did it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I think I think God is fair in his own grand scheme way. Is life fair? No. Mm -hmm. I, I think when we look at it and we judge it, we say, well, that wasn't fair. And there are things that are seem that are unjust and not right, but I think God is fair, and this is why it says in Romans one that everyone will stand before Him without excuse. So that even means like the the tribesmen in mm-hmm. you know uh, the uncontacted tribe in yeah. in Brazil, right, or the Amazon. Like the Bible says, they have enough data, and God has been active enough in their lives that when God, when judgment comes down on them, it'll be just and fair and they, no one will have an excuse. Right. Essentially. As Romans 1, everybody responds to the, to the level of revelation that they've been given. Right. 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 And you're, and you're, you're held accountable unto that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've answered free will or I think we've, (laughs) I think we've really steered away from it a bit. I think we really did. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we were meant to. But it's a non-essential. There's some room for debate and opinion in there, right? Well, this is why there's been debate is because you can go around and around and around and like you can change, you can flip-flop even. You're like, yeah, you know what? That actually does make a ton of sense. So Mm -hmm. I think honestly, I think that one of the things I was reading this week, I'll probably talk about a little bit in my, my final message in this series is when we think about the nature of God, we think about God like he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And we think of those things in, in right. terms of segments or like a pie, right? And yeah. that, you know, there's this part of him, but there's this part of him. We think that these things have to like kind of work together. And sometimes those are at odds, right? Like, is God all knowing and is he omnipotent? Then how is he, you know, how does he have grace and allow people to exact their own will? And so we, we think these things are at odd, but in fact, like a lot of theologians think about God and his nature in, in terms of like a circle and that these attributes of him are all fully true. Like, it's not like his omnipotence is one slice of the pie of who he is. He's fully omnipotent Mm. and he's fully omniscient, which means, again, I made that joke about, can it be yes? And that's, I think for a lot of these things, these things are all fully true and we're just trying to wrap our, our, you know, um, what's the word? Like, uh, limited, our limited minds, we're putting limits on God's nature because our minds have limits, but God is actually, these things are fully true. I don't know if that helps anybody Mm. or not, but Mm. these things bend my mind for sure. Mm. We're diving deep. Yeah. The fun thing is that once you start to do some research on any one topic, it just snowballs into another topic, into another area of theology. And and that, that actually comes back to this circle thought is that these things all all touch and they work together. Like these things are all, it's one, it's an, it's an economy. It's not an economy. That's not even the right word. It's like this helix almost that these, is that it's a helix, right? Is that, that's a thing you know, those things that you pull out and they're, they're all, yeah, yeah. That's DNA. It's yeah. No, 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 no. No, it's like that thing (laughs) or it's like, it's all interconnected anyway. Okay. He's all fully the toys, all of those things and they all work off of each other. They Mm. don't conflict with each other. They actually compound on each other. Mm. 
that that's really good thing. and I like what you said too Greg about how this is all kind of like you research one thing and it snowballs into another so let's there, there's a good transition for us I think we're talking about a lot about how massive God is he's omniscient he's omnipotent he's omnipresent right so as big as God is let's talk about prayer for just a couple minutes right something yeah. about prayer like so as all-knowing as all-powerful mm. as all-present as God is he allows us to have an intimate personal relationship with him and we have 24 7 access yep. direct connection to him through something called prayer right mm-hmm. and so someone asked a really good question brent on stanley, one of our live videos yeah it was yeah. brent stanley thanks brent was yeah thanks brent and this is a big one that we've talked a lot about in, in church over the years and i've i've asked this question myself a lot is can we change god's mind through prayer because a lot of times when we pray right we're saying mm-hmm. like we're a lot of times we're asking god to change the circumstances that we currently find ourselves in that we've encountered. That's how we approach it, right? Or someone Mm -hmm. is going through something difficult and we're asking God to set us free from that or to to intervene in that situation, right? So, but if God has a whole plan, he's all knowing, he's all knowing and he's omnipresent and he already knows what's going to happen anyway, can we change the outcome through prayer? And if not, is there even a point to prayer? Like these, these are, again, these are places that, places that we get, right? So. I I think it's, it's, again, we're, we're, we're going to try to answer a 3D question (laughs) in 2D. (laughs) Sure. Um, and that's all uh, we can do because that's all, we, that's all we've got to work with. Sorry, let, me, let, me, let me throw these things on the table, and then I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this. Here's, I don't know how to answer that question in a way that uh, will satisfy the question of itself. But I will say sure. this. Uh, the Bible says very clearly, I am the Lord. I do not change. Right. That would mm-hmm. imply his thinking. Yep. Yeah. So, if, if, so God doesn't change his mind, doesn't change his opinion doesn't change his word. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 100%. Yeah. And he already knows the outcomes, all those things. But the Bible also says very clearly, prayer changes things. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and Jesus even taught us to be persistent in prayer. Now, and there was even one parable that he, he went out of his way to talk about, like, a judge and this, this person who was pleading their case over and over. And just because they were so annoying... The judge basically said, fine, get out of here. You're driving me crazy. I'll give you what you want. And Jesus actually told us that parable to cause us to keep praying fervently. So both those things are biblical, that God does not change, but Jesus, God incarnate, said, really pray hard and consistently because it will change the outcome. So... And that can seem like so two conflicting. It can, reports, yeah, it can. Right? I think I, I will say, how we want to like contextualize the answer to that question is one thing, but I do know those two things are both true. Absolutely. That God, I am the Lord, I do not change, and prayer, I have again. You want to go with the Wesleyan quadrilateral? I've seen all four of those quads yeah. uh, reiterate the truth that prayer, praying changes things in the here and now. Yep, I think we'd all agree on that. Well, and going back to our previous discussion, God knows whether we're going to pray or not. Yep. So his plan doesn't change based on that. He already knows that we're going to pray or not. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, there's there's stuff in the Bible where, like, (laughs) it seemed like um, Moses was able to kind of get God to stay his judgment. Like, he was going to exact judgment yeah. on Israel. And, Abraham well, and the destruction of, like, Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, no, that, that still happened. He said, he But there said, seemed to be a thing it? where he said, if you could do this many, yeah. And they went through, like, it was like a debate back and forth for but a the while. The point right? of it was, like, the, the, that was to show people are <laughs> retrobate. 
which well, which means you're past the point of no return. And like, because because right. he said I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Abraham comes back, says, "Don't do it." Uh, there are righteous people there, and God fires back and says, "No, there's not. If you can find some, I'll spare it." Basically, sure. and they keep going down and down and down until there's okay. Right. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. <laughs> I you're guess right, you're right. right. I guess you are God. You, you're, you're talking about Moses. Um, that example is from the Book of Exodus, yep. and uh, Moses is talking with God. He's on Mount Sinai talking with God, and the people of Israel are down below at the foot of the mountain, and they create a golden Worshiping idol a that they're worshiping, calf. Golden a, a golden calf. calf. And, uh, and what God tells Moses that what they're doing is worthy of him destroying yes. them. But it's interesting that, that God is the one that pointed out to Moses what was happening, sent him back down. Moses came back up and reminded him, reminded God of the promise that, right. that God had given to Abraham mm-hmm. centuries earlier. Yeah. God already knew that he was what was happening. Right. He knew he was going to send Moses down. He yep. knew that Moses was going to remind him of the promise. Yep. And what's that word? Um, Aphromorphic. Uh, it's like an aphromorphic text for us, okay. where we kind of kind of another Google folks. pose on on God. Is that, you know, like in it's a cartoon, anthrop- is anthrop- where you add anthropomorphic. A, uh, yeah, when you when you put human qualities yes. on an inanimate yeah, object, an, an, an animalian yes. quality. Yeah, yeah, so we're trying to understand God from our perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so in the in that context, it looks like God changes His mind, yeah. but really it's part of His plan all along. Yeah. yeah, and the other the other thing too, if you keep keep that framework of plan rolling out like everything that's happening in the old testament god has the cross of christ in mind like all of that stuff is actually pointing forward yeah and like there that's are really times where he where he does exact his justice and and demonstrates his holiness like you see that in mount sinai you see that like with the israelites carrying the ark of the covenant like one dude touched it by accident because it was going to flip over and like died immediately because god said don't touch it He'll die, and he did. Right. He but did. there's a bunch of times where God seems to like hold back his 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 wrath and and and, get, and extend mercy and grace over and over and over again. Uh, I think though that's in in part because God had a plan for his wrath, right? Mm-hmm. Like his 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 wrath and his grace were both going to be fully poured out in right. the person of Jesus on the cross. Like that's what all this is moving mm-hmm. towards. So. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the question was, but it's really good. That's, Can we change God's mind through prayer? No, we no. can't change his mind, but we can see his plan unfolding. And we can change the circumstances. Right. We change I would, ourselves. I would prayer. say that. We can yep. we I don't think we can change God. Can we participate God. in the plan? You can part uh, yeah, and you can yes. and generally my experience has been prayer is more about us getting on board with what God wants to do than yeah. getting him on board with what we want to do. Right. That's good. Um generally speaking. But yep. I think for the Christian to, to think of God as someone who does not change, but at the same time fully invites us to cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us to be very diligent in prayer because like, you know, what I know is true about God is he's unchanging. What I know is true about what God says about prayer is pray because it changes things. So, right. yeah, I think uh, I would try to split that question into multiple dimensions mm-hmm. just anyway. But. Cool. Well, hopefully that's a little helpful, Brent. I don't, I don't, I don't the know. The other Brent. I don't know. Brent Stanley. No, I know. Yeah, it's I think, hard. It's hard. I think Brent's, Brent's got exactly some Calvinist inside. background back there. So oh, there we go. Want the, uh, the God is He's back on the first questions then, the free will versus predestination. <laughs> no, he left. He's loving that. <laughs> he left after that. <laughs> he dropped off He's the gone. line. See you later. Yeah. All right, so that's, we, we talked a lot, this is good. So we talked a lot there about even the Old Testament pointing forward to the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and all the fulfillment there in Christ and in Jesus, which has been the plan all along. So let's talk a little bit about that for a couple minutes, because I know that's a big 
that's a big hot button topic in the church a lot today too is the old testament versus the new testament right what is the difference and why is there an old testament versus new testament and if we are existing in the new testament age today what significance does the old testament hold for us as the mm. church yeah that's yeah. a big one. Where do we want to jump in there? Where do we want to start? <laughs> well, I'll go to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Jesus said, uh, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. Right. You know, he came to fulfill them. He didn't he, mention the ceremony, though. The ceremonial no, no, law. he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, when we when we look at the Old Testament and we look at some of the commandments and the laws, I think you're talking about the the moral law, the, the ceremonial yes. law. Um, yeah, there, there are some different categories of law. There's, uh, there's the moral law, which is established in the character of, of who God is, in yeah. his, uh, his unchanging nature, as we were just talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the theological term or the technical term is immutability. Yeah. We talk about how he doesn't change. More so his, his character is the same. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't change. So the moral yeah. law uh, is the law that, that we see as being still applicable today. Right. There, were, there was also the ceremonial law that would be the dietary restrictions, the different sacrificial yep. systems they had. To Israel to set them mm. apart and consecrate them. And to maintain them as the vehicle through which Jesus would enter into creation. Yep. Um, so that, that was fulfilled through Jesus. Yep. So that isn't applicable anymore. Which is the, the reason why, at a very simple level, we can eat bacon today, right? We can Basically. love Jesus, serve Jesus, but eat bacon. Yeah, the Bible says not to... Fabrics. Yeah. yeah, you should. Those are things you can find in the Old Testament. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that that yeah. we no longer live our lives by. Right? So that's what we're talking about. Those are laws that we believe that were fulfilled in Jesus that are no longer necessary for us to adhere to. Right, and then there's the, the the civil or the judicial law, uh, which was in the same boat as the ceremonial law. It was uh, it was satisfied in Christ. Right, the laws for their community, basically. Right. Yeah. So when we look at the Old Testament, it points ahead to to uh, to Jesus. Yep. And it's uh, it illuminates you know, who God is, it shows us him, and, and we see his plan unfolding. Uh, much of, well, the Old Testament law and the prophets was fulfilled in Jesus, um, and now we live under a new covenant. The, the word testament is, yeah. uh, is also the word covenant. Right. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. so you could we're talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. Yeah, we're talking about the old covenant, new te- uh, Old Testament, new testament, old covenant, new right. covenant. Yeah. We're, we're living now under the new covenant yeah. uh, because Jesus fulfilled the original one. Doesn't mean that he, he did away with it. Didn't, doesn't mean that he even finished it. He fulfilled it. Right. Okay. Right. Um, he fulfilled it. And so, so it continues into the New Testament uh, where we now are living under grace, not bound by the same laws, the same uh, ceremonial laws that you find in the Old Testament. He, so, so, so just to slow that down, like he fulfilled the requirements of the law. Right. So that when you put your faith in Jesus, you, you have put your faith in, in his fulfilling of that and you stand in that fulfillment. Like mm-hmm. when God looks at you, he's not saying, why did you eat lobster? Uh, he's not also, he, we also stand not just for the ceremonial law being complete and, full, and fulfilled in him. We also stand in the, like the righteous requirements right. of the moral law, which would be like the 10 commandments, um, just some other, there's, there's more than just the 10 commandments in the old Testament that, that are attributed to the moral law, but they're best yeah. contextualized in yeah. the 10 commandments. But Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement for that. So that when we're judged, we're judged according to his righteousness, not ours. However, those things still hold to be true about who God is. And we are now supposed mm-hmm. to not just be like Christ, but let the, let the life of Christ 
mm-hmm. uh, take over our lives. So those laws actually become our values, right? Right. Like that's mm. so, uh, which yeah. is really important. So anyway, to get to get back to how do we understand the Old Testament? And I don't want to use this word because I think this is already showing the flaw. But versus the New Testament, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things I remember even from uh, when I was in grade twelve, I remember sitting in my English class and my uh, English teacher uh, was talking about how the God of the Old Testament was wrathful; he was vengeful, uh, and he talked about how the God of the New Testament Mm. was loving. Right. And he was drawing this, and that's a very common point of contention. It is. Well, and it's easy. It's easy to understand how you arrive at that. Yeah. Read. You Book read of passages. Joshua, I leave no living creature alive. I don't even want a, a mouse scurrying left there. Like, right. kill everything entire and everyone. Cities, yeah, entire cities, like It's intense. Yeah. People groups. Yeah, and I remember sitting there listening to it and being disturbed because, you know, the same God, we talked earlier, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. You know, it's, it's the same God um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He's just as loving in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He's just as just in the New Testament yes. as he was in the Old Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, I guess, you, you see different shades of that being, being expressed through the Scriptures depending on his purposes at the time. Yeah. His purpose in the Old Testament was to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of the, the, the justice, a lot of the wrath you see mm-hmm. there was was required to prepare for Christ to come, but Christ's yeah. coming was the full expression of his love. I think the other thing too is like, and th- this mm. actually helps me in my, my reverence toward the holiness of God, but I mean, you, you read some of the things that, you know, he prescribes, uh, you know, we, they, they seem unjust, right? Like, well, come on, there's, there's kids in that city that got laid to waste, right. you know, and right. like, from our limited perspective, that that does seem unjust, but it also makes me think maybe God is that holy. Like it's not it's not even a lack. It's not even an issue of of uh, you know like my understanding of what's right and wrong. Like like basically any anything that you know God does, He's right in. You mm-hmm. know, and so what what that does to come full circle is what that does for me is it, it makes me all the more thankful for the cross to see what I've been spared of. And, you know, I think the question a lot of people would have is, what, well, what about, what about the people that died in the Old Testament? You know, like, how, do they have grace? Again, I go back to that argument of everyone will stand before God without excuse. So mm. uh, the same way we've been offered grace, I think, I think every person that's been created in the image of God will be given the opportunity to either crown him king and submit to him or reject him. I think that's everybody's, everybody's choice. So, Mm. but I think it's important though. I think Greg, you did a great job answering that. Like the old Testament is pushing toward the new Testament. And just because Jesus came and did that, did what he did on the cross. And even because we have the new Testament doesn't negate, it doesn't get rid of the old Testament. It fulfills it. And there's still very helpful things in the old Testament that speak to who God is and who Christ is like Genesis picture of his interaction with us and his plan throughout history too. Right. Because we're again, going back to throwing out the baby with bathwater kind of thing. We can't, we can't ignore history and God's God's plan and interaction with us throughout history. Old Testament is an amazing, like we know who God is because of the old Testament. Every book, in the Old Testament is. is about Jesus. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, like Genesis is about the Jesus. It's pointing towards Him. Yeah. Exodus, it's all pointing toward the finished work on the cross. And right. all of those things about God that were true in Exodus, like yeah. Greg said, 
are true now, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're, they are made visible on the cross, right. right? You have the wrath and justice of God on the cross. That's why it's violent. That's why yeah. Jesus died. It's not why he, he, yeah. he didn't just have to go and take on the sins of people and feel really, really bad and then move on. Like he was murdered in a mm. very brutal and humiliating and shameful way. Mm. And that's, that's the weight and cost of sin. And Jesus really took that on. He was the sacrifice. When you get into the sacrificial mm. system and the ceremonial law, like the Jews had these, these systems he built to help every year, like think, think through their sin and think through God's mercy and they'd actually kill an animal yeah. without the shedding of blood. The Bible says there's no remission of sins. And for us, that sounds really gory and really gross. But when you think about the essence of life, you know, if, if the wages of sin is death, then, then if you have sinned, you have contributed in death and it's, it's unto death. And so mm-hmm. to, to, to even make something just, if that makes sense, something has to die because of sin. Right. It drove the point home. So, so Jesus, Jesus even dying was literally the sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's quite amazing, really. The whole Old Testament should come to life when you look at it through the lens of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. So it still has a ton of value for us today. At the end oh, of the definitely. Day. We may no longer be bound to its laws uh, and some of those specific ceremonial laws, laws that we yeah. read, but we're living in the New Testament age, but we can't ignore it either because we're losing out on a huge piece of... It's every bit as much the Word of God today as it was then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 100%. And that's why we preach from it here at the church. Like yep. That's why yep. it's not... We wouldn't... It's not uncommon for us to open up in Genesis and preach from Genesis or mm. whatever. We just did a series on it. Yeah, we like did an entire... Ago. Yeah, we were Genesis yeah, so. for a while. It's good stuff. What All else right, so got? that leads us to a really good, I think, just a conversation we're having here. Like we talked about some of the Old Testament stuff that makes people a little uneasy is the is the wrath of God and some mm. of the some of the like you said, gorier stuff that we sometimes find. The gorier stories we find. A lot of people ask like the big question, like why would a good God ever allow evil to exist in our world? Right? Mm. We look around in our world. It's immediately evident that evil exists, yeah. right? There's all sorts of things happening, things happening to children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sexual assault, right? The Me Too movement is a big thing that's going on right now. Like, there's no question in our mind that there are evil things that happen. So a lot of people say, if God really was good, if God really was loving, why would he allow evil to exist or continue to exist in our world in the first place? Yeah. See, a lot of it actually goes back to free will again. So we live in a fallen, sinful world because God is connected because we were given the good gift of free will yeah. and then abused it, uh, rebelled against God and therefore sin, uh, entered into all of creation and corrupted all of creation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People live with that, that taint of sin today. Yeah. I think uh, people mistakenly too yeah. blame God for the effects of sin. It, yeah. Right. right. Like yeah. they're mad at God for something that sin caused, right? Like mm. it's, we are, we're literally living in a fallen world and fallen world things happen to us all the time. And the world has fallen not because that's how God, like God created it perfect. We invited sin into the, we, we brought sin into yeah. the picture. I think it's really important though when you're thinking about that, like, you know, come back to the question, like why, why did God create a world where cancer exists or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. murder and all those things. Or if like, he's really so all powerful and so all loving, why doesn't he just <laughs> cause it to well, go away? Just fix it immediately. Well, he right. did, he did fix the, the core of the problem, like the, the, real, the real reason there's sin is because of a heart issue. It's the, the, in the heart of humanity, we desire, we desire to, to be the authority. We desire to be God. It's like the heart of Satan. Like if you read 
you know, why, what, about Satan in the Bible, like Satan was an angel that mm -hmm. desired worship. He desired to be equal or above God. And that's mm -hmm. really where, where sin comes from. It's pride, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear a lot about celebrating pride, you know, pride, yeah. you know, this is a, the sexuality and equality and stuff. Fine. Pride in and of itself as a Christian is, is actually the, the root cause of sin. Mm -hmm. That's where we get it from that desire to ascend, to ascend and to be affirmed in myself, mm -hmm. right? That's actually yeah. the, 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 the root of all sin has been, is in, is in that. So mm -hmm. it's super important though, when you get thinking about sin and when, you know, sin enters the world, God never, God was never like surprised, right? Again, yeah, back to right the, again. back to the knowing. omniscient thing. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes we think when we read Genesis and stuff that, you know, sin enters the world and you're like, oh no, this was never the plan. Yeah. I, I think it was. I actually think that it, it says in, it says in the scripture, what, what, what text that is, you might remember Greg, where it says before the foundations of the earth, Christ was set to be crucified. So yeah. he knew that I'm going to make a free will creation and or I'm going to make a beautiful creation and I'm going to set mankind as the pinnacle of creation, and I'm going to give them authority. It says in Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, it says, uh, you know, um, all this I give you, be fruitful and multiply, fill the yeah. earth and subdue it, have dominion over it, it's yours, do what I would do. Yeah. He, and he had that plan from the beginning, and then we decided to not do what he would do, but do what we would do. Yeah. Sin enters the picture, <clears throat> but it's a mistake to think about it as, God never saw that coming. Like he's blindsided by it. His plan was the, the story of redemption from the beginning because yeah. at the cross, it's not just the place where sin was paid for. It's the place where our hearts finally can see the great yeah. love of God and our hearts get turned towards him where we voluntarily say, I love you and I set you back in your rightful place. And I think without mm. that, again, we're robots we're robots. We don't have that free will. Like, you know, we're all dads, mm. you know, it's, it's one thing if I come home and say, Alex, tell me you love me. Love you, dad. <laughs> Versus right. I just come home yeah. and out of the overflow of his heart, he says, I love you, dad. Yeah. Those are two different things. Those are the best. And I think, uh, I think at, in a very superficial way, mm. I mean, it's much more complicated than that, but in a superficial mm. way, that's, why I think God planned the, the redemption story from the beginning, because that's going to be yeah. the thing that grabs our heart and we yeah. turn it over to him. That's where he's like, I give you, I'll, I'll change you from a heart of stone to mm. a heart of flesh. What is he talking about? He's talking yeah. about that. He's talking about our hearts being turned toward him. And that's the mm. reconnection back to the, right. to the, from pride. I think you're using an important word too. It's, it's the word plan. It's, I don't think that the fall of man was part of God's design. Correct. But it was part of his plan. He right. knew what was going to happen. So he already had a solution worked out and, you know, he already had his plan in motion yeah. before, before creation even began. Right. Right. Um, who's to say, who's to say there's not like a bunch of other universes and stuff that like God's working this out with kind of a multiverse is at the center and, and just, wow. <laughs> Where the same thing is unfolding. Parallel. I, that's not. Don't get me started. Stories. Don't get me started. <laughs> anyway, but no, you're right. Who's to, who's to say? Who's well, to I just say? think I think what we do know is that Christ is Christ. Like it says in Colossians, like he is, he he is the like the center that holds everything together. Mm -hmm. So he's actually the fabric and the framework by which God created everything. Like everything was created by him, 
for him and through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So like he was the plan from the beginning. He is the essence of, of everything. Like yeah. he's at the core of it. So, right. Anyway. That's good. And a lot of people will say too, like I've, I've heard this argument that, you know, because if there, if there's that much evil in the world, if God was really good, he would fix it. Therefore, if it's not being fixed, there is no God. One of the best arguments I've heard for that is that the existence of evil actually proves the existence right. of God yeah. Yeah. because like, where do we get our mm-hmm. moral values from in the first place? Yeah. Where do we get our innate sense of right and right and wrong? Like we know we have things built on us from the very beginning of our lives that we know are right and wrong. We in order to that. say that something that is from? objectively right or, or objectively wrong, there has to be an objective standard of morality, yeah. right. which means it's not up to us. It doesn't depend on different circumstances. It's not something that just evolves or is negotiated. Mm-hmm. There has to be a moral law giver. He, and the, yep. the other thing I would say along those lines is, to, to answer the question, why doesn't he just fix it? I would, I would answer, he is, and he's yeah. fixing it at the source of the problem. Yeah. Like, the sor- like, we want him to fix the ends of the problem, mm-hmm. like fix cancer, fix this, fix that, and, and he's going to, and that's gonna happen. But he's actually plugging, you know, the leak in the first place, and that is in our wicked, broken hearts, right? Like the, he's mm. fixing the problem of sin at its at it. It's like the remember the uh, the imagery of the the BP oil spill, yeah, right. Yep. Before they start the cleanup of the oil spill in the ocean, what did they have to do? They had to stop the flow oh, right, of yeah. the oil mm-hmm. coming out, like just gallons and gallons of it just flooding out. That's what God is doing. Like God is fixing our broken hearts first through Christ. And then you're also seeing like it's more than just a heart level thing. This is why it's so important that Jesus, when they saw him after he rose from the dead, they didn't see him like in their minds and they didn't see him in their feelings. They literally saw him in a garden resurrected with a new body, a non-perishing body. So this, he's fixing yeah. all of creation, but it's beginning at its source in, in the heart of, of us. And I've got to say that I'm, I'm glad that he didn't just eradicate all evil because that would have included me. Yeah, and me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so loving yeah, that he, he didn't. Yeah. You're not Jesus. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're not Noah. Even, Anyone right? who falls yeah. short of his in, perfect standard. In the story of Noah, you're the guy banging on the outside of the boat, yeah. right? Like, and he already did. I mean, he already did go that route, yep. right? Like he, he judged the whole earth, but he still had the redemptive plan. Redemptive plan well, uh, unfolding second peter says that the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some people count slowness Mm -hmm. Um, but it says that he's being patient with you not wanting anyone to perish uh, but for everyone to come to repentance so yeah there's still evil in this world and god's allowing it to exist for now he's going to take care of it sometime but he's waiting right now and and giving more and more opportunity for everybody who will come to him to come to him yeah i think like the manifested evil again i i would really want to push that person back to that question like he very much is dealing with the problem of evil but he's dealing with it at its source Mm -hmm. and and again it's going to catch up but we got to get the we got to get the the hole hole plugged plugged. first Mm -hmm. i guess is the thing i would say Plug the hole. Okay, throw us a curveball, Andy. What, we got a bunch of different questions here. We've oh, been, there are, yeah. We've been doing some heavy lifting. Let's do some, like... You want something a, a little a, bit? Ask a question that's, like... A little bit a lighter? Little f- just fun. Yeah, like, are there aliens and stuff? I, I don't know. know if we have. Do you want to, do you want to go there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe not as much fun. Are there I'm sorry, aliens? I spaced out. Oh! Um, oh we, you know, I knew it had been a long time, so we, I've had to throw one in there. There have been light years between our dad jokes. Okay, well, we can get to them now, maybe. I think that's only a couple. Let's jump in here. This one's this is a little more light, I think, and maybe we can have a little bit more of a positive experience around this one, I think. We've got about, let's say, like 10 minutes left, right? So someone wrote in a great question, I think in the New Testament there are verses that are specific about women in the church, 
and is there a context to why this was written? Specifically mentioning like First Corinthians fourteen, all right? So, oh. and there are there are a lot of different opinions on that too. Like again, if you read through even even the Old Testament and even the New Testament, right? There are some some things like let's let, can I just read First Corinthians fourteen for you guys real quick? Yeah. I pulled yeah. it up here just so. Does, I think this is probably what they're talking about. I read about. that to my wife last night. Go ahead. Did you really? All right, good. So this is what this is what Pastor Brent read to his wife last night. First Corinthians First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse thirty four says this: Women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak. This is the New Testament, not the Old Testament, but must be in submission as the law says. And if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home for it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. All right. That's New Testament. That is the New I Testament. I told her that too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're living in the New Testament age. So there are passages like that in, in the Bible, in scripture, right? And again, we're talking about those non-essential things. We can believe in Jesus and we love Jesus. And like, that doesn't say that women can't be saved and can't know Jesus, but there are non-essential agreements and disagreements around that to say like, what is a woman's role in the church and what are women allowed to do in the church and how should women be approached in the church? And so, yeah, what do we think about that? Let's let, let me back up and answer the question before the question. And then you find out the answer to why we believe that women are, are oh, okay. all set to speak in church. All so good to yep. go. actually, cause not every I, church I, believes that. No, right? not ours. Ours absolutely does. And we do. Um, yep. And, and I think for very good reason, but let mm. me, let me tee up what you're going to do because I want to talk about, um, again, biblical interpretation. Yeah. There's, there's something called exegesis, which is like to, to kind of to pull out what, what, it's, what it's saying in the text. There's eisegesis and there's hermeneutics. Like hermeneutics is, is what uh, the scope of the whole thing is saying. Hermeneutics. So yes. it's important that, you know, you see this a lot. You'll, you'll see people in a variety of ways take a verse out of context. Like, oh, all the time. Like I, you'll see sports is the best. Sports you'll see, you know, um, Steph Curry on his shoe has Philippians 2, what is it, 2 whatever. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Like, which, great, I, I appreciate his testimony, but I'm not sure that Paul was referring to shooting foul shots um, <laughs> in the general context of being in prison. I don't and, know everything, but I can say I'm pretty sure he was not. I'm pretty sure that that verse is not about sure your, you, you max rep in your bench press, um, it's, it's actually, the, in the, if, you, if you read it in its context, again, I am for the usage of Scripture just by and large. But it's important that you understand hermeneutics. Right. That is that it's, you're isolating a verse that, frankly, when it was written, had no numbers and no page. Like, it didn't say, it wasn't chapter such and such and verse such and such. It was in the flow of a larger communication. So sometimes there might be a, a verse that says something explicitly here, mm. but if you read it in the context of the whole argument, uh, for instance, uh, let's talk about um, tongues. There, there's... Well, there's another big one. There's another big one, but like there's, if you read in First, it's in First Corinthians like 9, 10, 11, it's getting into how to operate in church, and you can actually isolate verses where it says, like some people will say like tongues, tongues shall cease, and they mean that that means you should never, like, that's not a thing anymore. Well, you, if you read the rest of the chapters, you'd find out, no, actually, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit, and Paul affirms it. Right there in Corinthians in 14, the, in actually, the context, earlier. Uh, of, of worship and all that. So all that to say, 
Hermeneutics are very important that you understand the whole scope of scripture. Like let's, let's boil that into 21st century. There are things that if you're watching a movie, it's communicating that implicitly, like in the scope of the story, like uh, in the Star Wars saga, fun word to say. At no point does it say you should not join the Sith. Doesn't explicitly say that, but the her, her, I don't want to use the word hermeneutic, but the the thrust of the story is Sith are bad, Jedi are good, right? Like so. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this, and I'll tee you up, Greg, to answer the question based on biblical hermeneutics and exegesis and eisegesis. But um, the, the big important thing is that, like C.S. Lewis said, when you read the Bible, you, you need to le- read it literally, yes, but more importantly, literarily, that what is, what is God, not just the author, what, not just what Paul is saying, what is God saying in the scope of the whole argument. So, mm-hmm. and go. Well, I was just, I'll add that in, in uh, the, the Corinthian church in particular, there was a, uh, you know, so we need to understand that some of the things that Paul was writing had a very specific uh, contextual uh, meaning. The, the context in, in which Paul was writing here, the, the women who were, who were speaking up in the church were speaking, uh, they, they hadn't been educated. They didn't know what they were talking about. Right. Um, and that was that was common in a very patriarchal society, right? right. Because know, women weren't allowed to be educated. men ruled. So, uh, they, so yeah. when that was happening, it was literally railroading and, si- and taking sideways the yeah. gathering. There's mm-hmm. there a practical purpose. It wasn't an indictment on the gender. No, yeah. not, not at all. In fact, in in uh, other passages, we see that Phoebe is a deacon in in, in the church yeah. uh, in in Romans 16, yeah. uh, which is an, an ordained also position within Paul's letter. All, right. In fact, same it, later, guy. Exactly, and mm-hmm. in uh, in First Corinthians sixteen, he talks about Pris- uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah, uh, they're like the backbones of that entire ministry in Corinth. Yeah, right? they had a home church yep. as well, yeah. and uh, and so even more places where women are elevated. Yes, yeah. as well. Well, exactly. and, and I think go right back to ground zero at the cross or at yep. at the 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 garden tomb, like Jesus, for instance, throughout his ministry was very like very intentional. Yeah. about utilizing the testimony of women, which yeah. women, their testimony wasn't even admissible in court. No. And yet Jesus like built his whole revolution on establishing the voice of women, mm-hmm. like the, the original, the first the witness original to the resurrected Christ, public figure with any influence in oh, human yeah. history that really put women at the forefront with an yeah. equal voice to men. Mm-hmm. And then you see it Right there, the garden tomb. Who discovered the empty tomb? Wasn't Peter? Wasn't John? It was a group of women. It was a group of women. Yep. Right. So Jesus, over and above, affirms. Women. And who was the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection? Right. Mary Magdalene. Yes. Who he told to take the message and to proclaim. You know, to tell others. Right. This is so your he was, job. He was commissioning her to go and tell others what you know what you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So there's. So to go to the quadrilateral. Here's why we believe, like that in no way is saying women shouldn't have ministry or be elders right. uh, because you have the scriptural basis, you've got reason. Yeah. Um, we, we do know through science that, that men and women, you know, like there's, there's no, there's no greater, greater sex. In fact, maybe, maybe we could make an argument that, that <laughs> if we had women might have a leading oh. edge. Actually, if you want to go back to Genesis chapter one, God, God, 
seem to make women last. Mm-hmm. That's which true. Would, which you could the make a pretty, a pretty great argument that they're like the, the, the final, Save the, right. the last. final touch. Yeah. Yes. Well, you actually do see like the complexity and brilliance of creation scaling up. Oh, absolutely. We talk all the time about mankind was the pinnacle of creation, right? If you want to yeah. be real specific, men were first, women was the yeah. grand finale. Anyway, I think, I think the, the biblical You're welcome. hermeneutic, to use that word, really uh, accentuates... You know, both men and women created, men and women created in God's image. Mm-hmm. It doesn't delineate from that, and it keeps that same story. You find in the Old Testament, too, you got uh, Deborah, the mm-hmm. judge. Um, you have examples of yeah. prominent women that God put in that place. Yep. So it's... Uh, there were priestess in, yeah. the, in the Old Testament as well. Yeah, yep. there were female so prophets, female prophets in which the is New Testament. Extra wild, again, given both in the New Testament and Old Testament, that was a predominantly patriarchal society. Yeah. Right. And you were still seeing women emerge out of that yeah. with a voice. So Which is again more historical context, what was going on when that was written. Yeah. Which is why we could take a verse at our church and read something like that that said women should remain silent in churches yeah. and believe that, you know, someone taking that to mean that a woman's never allowed to speak in church. Is take, our opinion is that's taken out of context when we read the overall biblical yeah. theme yeah. and exercise hermeneutics and things like that, that you know, yeah. we can believe that, no, the overall theme is that women are being liberated and elevated, not, yeah. Yeah. not uh, kept under somebody else's thumb. All right, we have time cool. for... So one, one thing I'll say, too, and you, we, we, we <coughs> didn't even scratch the surface, so I think we're going to release some supplemental content Oh, for sure. um, on some of these, uh, yep. some of these we bigger will. questions, especially apologetics. I think we've got uh, a, a talk, I, an interview uh, I did with Mark Clark uh, at the XY conference. We're going to release. It's going to be episode six. Okay, we're going to release that on the awesome. podcast. Yep. So, which is really good, and we got into some of these like big, kind of overarching mm. philosophical theological questions that he really is really good at. So. Yeah. What else we got? Let's want to do one more, and then we'll call it a we'll call it a show. Do one it's last one. We'll wrap fun, it up. Guys. All right. Do we want to we do want to end everything with talking about the end times a little bit? The oh end of yes, all things. absolutely. What happens when we die? What's happening to the world? <laughs> the Book of Revelation. There's an entire book that seemingly talks about what's going to happen at the end of all things in mm. the end of time. So, there's been uh, some amazing books written on that. There's an entire Left Behind series. There isn't really a thing anymore. That when I was growing up was a big thing. There's right? a People, song uh, something by. Called uh, the, you, what's that yeah. song? Is that Who was you it? I know the DC Talk version, but DC Talk did not write that song. <laughs> and the they sun comes it. up, and, and you've been left behind. behind. What's that? Uh, Larry Norman. Is that Larry Norman? Two Look men up. walking up a hill. <laughs> one disappears, and one is <laughs> standing still. Yeah, I think that's it is. embarrassing that we know that. I words. wish we'd all oh, been ready. Yep, that's oh, the one. Kevin Max singing that song. Oh, I so lived good. my first, Amazing. like, I would say uh, from age six till about. 14 terrified of the second coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a good point. So it was scary stuff. Of getting left behind. Yeah, I didn't want to like, miss the boat. So scared. There were times when I woke up and I didn't know where everybody else was, and that was the first thing I thought. Oh, dude, you ever have yeah. a rapture moment? Yeah, I was like, they're gone. Yeah. And I missed it. There was one time I was running. I was at Beulah Camp. I was probably like 11, and I legit thought everybody went but me. I'm You're running the cottages, looking somewhere. in cottages. I'm like, oh, and no. Oh, no. God knows I don't deserve to go to heaven. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Oh, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad because so many people have been there. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, okay. Let's, take, let's, take let's talk eschatology. Just a few minutes. Study of the end times. Another big word. 
what do we think? There's lots of different opinions, right? Some people think, okay, there's going to be this thing called the rapture first, where all of a sudden everybody who believes in Jesus will disappear. Go raptures. And go instantly to heaven. Go raptures. Go raptures. Kawhi Leonard, he's in the elect. He's there. Uh, we're all going to leave us behind. Disappear, I fear. go to heaven, and then people in the world are going to have to figure gonna... all that out. And then there's people who think that there's something called the tribulation, that, and we'll still yeah. be around for pieces of that pre-tribulation, yeah. post-tribulation. Yeah, this is a, this is a huge area. I right. We can't tackle like a whole like lot of it here. Podcasts. Start in Revelation one. But well, yeah, and you you mentioned Revelation, but the end times are are spoken of throughout scripture. You know, there are major passages in Matthew, mm-hmm. Matthew 24 and 25. Yeah, some... The Old Testament, Daniel 7, is a huge yeah. section of the end yeah. times. And you find it, you find it in, in various passages throughout, uh, throughout the Bible. Um, and people tend to get very adamant about their views on the end times. Yeah. Uh, no which, way. Believe it or not. <laughs> I've even got so shocked. a book... On you the end did. in the form of an iPad. Yeah. I thought it was going to be an iPad. Disguised as a new iPad. I'm still waiting for that iPad. I'll read that book right. if you give me the iPad. So we can, we can talk about some of this, but I, <laughs> well, I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to put my own stamp yes. Uh, yes. on how everything's going to play out. Right. And this is uh, where we would disclaim that, yeah, hey, yeah. we've got opinions, maybe it's personal, but yeah. like, we don't know everything. I certainly don't know everything. And I think it's a very right, important uh, area of, of theological study. But when I look at the Old Testament and I see the prophecies there about the first coming of Jesus and how far off the scholars were, yes. you know, all the prophecies came true, but they were so far off in how they expected them to, to come true mm. uh, that I'm hesitant to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, and say, you know, Jesus has to return this way according to this timeline. Right. Uh, otherwise, it's not it's just not happening. And yeah. that's that's a really good point. And think of where I would land too. is just at the end of the day, the specifics. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's going to flesh out. Um, but what I do know at the end of the day is I can trust God. Mm-hmm. I do know that God is good. I do know that God loves me, that he's got a plan for me. Yeah. Right. And at the at the end of the day, no matter how it flushes out, I don't have a whole lot of interest and trying to predict and figure out when is the world going to end and when is this all when is it all going to hit the fan because there are people who would, who do that right yep. who try to predict the end yeah. of the world and when the end times age is going to be ushered in and, and I've all I've lived that, right? through at least probably five or six <laughs> like pretty yep. major campaign type things that on this date Yep. yep, Christ is going to return. There was a recent one with like the Tetrarch Blood Moons. Oh, yeah, the Blood Moons. Yeah, the Blood yep. Moons, 2012. Right. Yeah, that was a big year one. 2000. People were, people were waiting with bated yeah. breath to there see was, the Mayan there calendar. Was there was a yeah. big yeah. book that came out when I was in college. 88 reasons why why the rapture will happen in 1988. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there was a sequel the next year. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's, let's read that So for those who are watching, that like, what's the rapture? The rapture is like a, it's kind of this this thought that, you know, when when at some point when God decides he's going to going to kind of scoop up all of the Christians mm. and take us to heaven, um, which there's some, there's some things in the Bible that does lend itself to, toward that. There's a verse in like first Thessalonians where it says, and we'll all be caught up caught with up. him. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff where Jesus talks about, uh, you know, when I return, uh, you know, it'll be like a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. It'll be, you know, one person was one person was still tilling the soil, and one wasn't. Like, there's all these these things that lend itself to the suddenness of it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very sudden. Um, so that's there. However, because we do there, know also that Jesus predicted when he ascended back to heaven, he said, "I am coming back." Yeah. No man knows a day or the hour, but I'm coming back. And so, 
he so there's but there's a lot of content out there that's frankly yes. interesting and I would even say sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the Left Behind series, uh, which again some of that's fun, like it's fun, it, but it, you have to put it in its right place. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't. like you got to realize, and the problem with like Left Behind, and frankly, a lot of people's eschatology, like end times yeah. theology, is it's it's more to go back to our what we started this on. Your position is more built on influence of your culture, your mm-hmm. friends, uh, you know, a, bo- a, a fictional book. Maybe there's another F word, fiction, um, a fictional yeah, book, yeah. Uh, when in actuality that's not authoritative and the Bible doesn't actually give us a whole lot of detail yeah. about how that's all going to roll out. Now, there's a lot of people that have very interesting and frankly brilliant connections in the Bible oh, as yeah. to things people, that are happening yeah. in the cosmos and why this and that. Here's my take on it. Here's why you don't hear me preaching. Maybe someday God will, God will zap me and tell me I, I really do need to, and it's probably not going to come in a, in a letter in an iPad box, but someday, <laughs> maybe, who knows. But the reason I haven't bothered getting deep into end times theology beyond talking about the end, like I did a series not too long ago. In the end? In the end, I did that. And then I did YouTube? another one, uh, I forget what it was called, but I talked about heaven and, and that kind of thing. I think it's important yeah. that you do that. But here's the deal. Jesus spoke about his return a lot. He spoke about the urgency of staying ready and alert a lot. Yeah. Um, again, read like Matthew drawing to a climax. Huge. Like there's huge passages. There's more passages about Jesus talking about his, his second coming than him talking about virtually anything else. And it's, mm. it's freaky. Like it yeah. really actually is. So take it seriously. He spoke about it a lot. He said, be aware, be alert, be ready. But he also said... No one will know the day or the hour, so don't bother trying. Mm. Like He's like, stay focused, be alert, be aware, and stay on task. Our task is not to figure out his return. Our task is to do what he said. Go make disciples of all nations, mm. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I, I don't think it's helpful. In fact, I think it causes a insider distraction uh, for a lot of people when it comes to some of these things. It's like... Paul had different problems in his day. There was people that were obsessed with genealogies and connecting the people of God back with the genealogies throughout the people of, his, of Israel. There's angelology. You hear him reference that, like trying to, people were obsessed with trying to figure out angels. Again, these things are interesting, but I think the enemy will use good and interesting things to distract us from the main thing. And that's what I, I, I fear about a lot of end times theology. Mm. And yeah. a lot of people have opinions that aren't biblically built mm-hmm. or theologically mm-hmm. actually like arrived to from any kind of scholarly position. It's it's more you saw a left behind movie with Nick Cage and now you think that's how it's gonna uh, roll. So I never watched those. Never did. Oh you got I it. I read the books, you got it. Finger, but I never watched yeah. the Nick Cage movie. Um, they're visually stunning. <clears throat> Really? No, just <laughs> I was going to say, that shocks me. I've never me. seen it either. I'm incredibly shocked by that statement. But yeah, Jesus is very clear that he's coming back. He's very clear that some things are going to yeah. happen, yeah. but it's very vague in, yeah. as far as in what order they're going to happen and how they're all, all going to come about. And he legitimately and literally says, That's a reason. No one yeah. will know right. the day or the hour. Except so, for... No, no one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so the minute that someone goes on record and says he's coming back on this day... It's 100% wrong. Either they're wrong or Jesus was wrong. Right. And that's a problem. So dismiss it. It's a big problem. Um, yeah. So, anyway. And I like what you said there, Brent, too. And this is, probably, this is probably a good way for us to wrap it here today is that 
like at the end of the day, he said, hey, be, be aware, be alert, live your life as though this stuff matters, right? Yeah. And Jesus left, he's all we need to know for sure. And there's nothing wrong with having conversations and doing research and figuring this stuff out. And even everything we've talked about today, formulating our own opinions and doing the research around it and having mm -hmm. these kinds of discussions, like this is healthy and this is good and this yeah. is helpful stuff. But at the end of the day, man, back to the big things being the big things, we are called to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, right? Let's, uh, let's really quick, let's do a speed round here and then we'll get out of here. Let's, let's do it. Let's answer some of these questions that came in that we didn't, uh, we didn't get Because there in were a lot. That we as fast as we can. Here's yeah. one. Is meditation wrong for born again believers? Ugh. No, meditate on, it's, the question is, what are you meditating on? Yeah. Mm. Uh, a lot of meditation nowadays says empty your mind and just be empty. Mm -hmm. Bad idea. Jesus nope. says, you know, you clear something Jesus. out. The, the bad forces are going to come in seven times stronger. Don't clear your mind out. Clear your mind out and then fill it with Christ. Yep. Set mm. your mind on things above. It's, it's meditating on scripture. Blessed is the one who meditates on God's law day and night. So mm. meditation is good if it's in the right things. Yeah. Anything to add? Yep. Well, that was exactly it. What you're filling yeah. your head with was the good stuff. Uh, there was another Anything one. Else oh, can missed? you lose your salvation? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's speed, sort of speed, speed talk about that bit. some. We didn't uh, go in the, in the, you know, does God, you know, right. Like does, What's your definition of salvation is what that comes down to. Right? Yeah. What, let, what you believe about what salvation is, is going to inform your decision. Yeah. Let me not, let's not crack open the big theological discussion, yeah. which is interesting and fun. And uh -huh. again, a non, a non, I think a non essential. And as a whole entire let's, podcast. Let me flip that back on the individual and say, take your own salvation seriously. And it, it's something that you you yourself need to constantly be aware of and yeah, just don't, mm. don't just assume that God's going to uh, do the work of your own repentance and surrender to him for you back to, mm. again, that, that thing. So he wants us to participate in the plan, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you lose your salvation? Uh, I, I'm not prepared to answer that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> However, I would say um, just, just, just get saved. So yeah. get saved, do it. <laughs> Let's look at so Can you solicit revival? That was a great question. Like we, we talk a lot in our church about revival. We're believing for revival. Mm -hmm. Can we bring about revival just by asking for it? Again, I guess that kind of goes back to the 2D, prayer thing. 2D too, right? and 3D. Yeah. yeah. Solicit yeah. is asking. So yeah, we can ask yeah. for it. Yeah. I think, I think too, like, yes, I do think you can. The timing and the way, I think yeah. that's up for God to determine. Right. But the promises of God all through the scripture are like even in Second Chronicles 7 where it says, or First Chronicles 7 is it, where it says, you know, if my people will humble themselves and pray, mm -hmm. I'll hear them and, and I will heal it's their land. Like he'll bring renewal. Yep. He, he just does that. And if you read about the great revivals all through church history, it's been on the heels of people who have called out and cried out for mm. it. So that's what we're and doing. Been hungry for it. Uh, we are. We are trying to solicit revival. We are contending for it. We're trying to position our church in a way mm. that's going to bring it. We're praying for it. We're, we're we're crying out for it. We just can't determine how it comes mm. and when sure. it comes. Sure. We don't get to make that decision, and we don't need to. We just need to again position ourselves and be prepared for it when it comes and when. Positioning when and petitioning God are moves. our jobs. There's mm. a sermon. There's a mm. sermon. Write Ooh, that down. I'm going to forget go. that. That's a future series, right there. Yeah, we're supposed to petition and position ourselves mm. for it. 
Uh, we can't determine when the rain comes, but we can sure ask God to make it rain and have our buckets ready when it comes. Come on, somebody. Hey. That's yeah. good. I love it. All right. Thank you All guys right. so much for listening for episode five of this podcast. It's been great. Thanks for sticking with us. You watch live. That's incredible. We did as many of your questions as we could. Uh, stay tuned because next week we're going to drop another episode really quick. Okay. We alluded to we had Pastor yep. Mark Clark from the Village Church of Vancouver yep. was here for us. And Pastor Brent and Mark had an amazing conversation at the XY conference. A lot of great content around this. And Mostly we Mark, to get really. It's more me. More me. Mark does him. a lot of talking. He's yes. He likes to, and he's, what he says is amazing. Yeah. So it's really cool. So anyway, be watching for that next week too. But thanks for being with us today. Thanks for yeah. tuning in. Awesome. This has been episode five. Hey, Thank where's you, the Greg, clap? Where's here. the yes. clap? Get the clap. Slow oh, clap man. it Get out. The clap. Slow clap. Oh, I Nothing. closed it. Where'd it go? There we go. Yay. Sorry if we didn't answer your question. We'll do this again. We did our best. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks All for right. listening. See you next time. Awesome. There it goes. Very cool.